Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiwell Dubai. I've got three excellent guests as well. Tom Kerr to the Racing Post, trainer Ben Pauling, David Yates, newsboy from the Daily Mirror, staffing. ITV Racing dealt with this comprehensively yesterday on the opening show in a special uh, where they questioned uh, stable staff, where they were coming from, and is the crisis deepening? And the general answer, Ben Pauling, was yes, it is. And what do we do about it? Um, it's come down to, I mean, people keep talking about money. Uh, it's obviously a big factor. But I do firmly believe there's, there's um, stature in place to advise us where we pay our staff. I personally pay above and beyond that. Um, but I think the hours are, are the main thing. Uh, all my um, staff work one in three weekends, which is, I think, something that a lot of other yards maybe should look at. they prepared for the fact they have to work a little bit harder whilst they're on their weekend, but they do get the, the next two Saturday afternoons and Sundays off, which allows them a lot more time. Um, with regards to accommodation, all, all my staff are housed in very nice houses down in Borton-on-the-Water or North Leach. And um, I personally am very lucky, have an amazing bunch of staff. Um, we don't seem to lose many. And um, for us personally, it's OK, but I can see the big problem, the, the, the bigger picture. Uh, and we need to continue the work that the, the British Racing School and the Northern Racing School are doing. And the only thing I may be able to suggest is I, all I hear really is the fact that sometimes they they start with a group of 12 on their intake and, and it soon whittles down to eight, whether we could maybe make that more rigorous so that we have less dropout and that obviously means the funding is better spent getting them in. But, I mean, I think we are trying to do everything we can. There is a problem, things need to be done, but I don't think it's a complete disaster myself. Without deviation, hesitation or repetition, that was brilliant. You've used up nearly the, the, the whole two minutes, but, Tom, you can have ten seconds. I think, you know, as Ben says, it's the, it's the, it's the time off, you know? You, you've, people have got to get weekends, they've got to have a work-life balance. Work-life balance, it seems to be the key to the stable staff crisis. Hughes is not Richard Hughes, uh, it is Brian Hughes, who has just reached a 1,000 winners and becomes the 25th jump jockey. So to do, uh, Dave, there was a talk of Brian Hughes being champion jockey at, at one point, which seems to have receded a little bit, but 1,000 winners, no mean achievement. Well, it's receded for the moment, but... I'm sure that in the future, that talk will resurface. Uh, a, an amazing milestone for a, a jockey who, over the last few winters, his stock just seems to rise and rise. Uh, obviously, this season, he was appointed as a uh, stable jockey to Donald McCain, which is uh, obviously a, a, a great job to have. Uh, he's also the the rider of, of waiting patiently, obviously a, a, a high-profile horse. I, I hope that we'll see more of him uh, this winter. So, yeah, a, 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 another milestone, and there'll be many more to come. Uh, Tom, you spent, as you said, all your university days going to Musselboro, I suspect, mm. seeing a young Brian Hughes running a lot of winners. Yeah, I mean, his his involvement in the North is just amazing, isn't it? You know, if you look at the, the list of trainers as he rides for, you can see that... They, he's got a, a huge book of contacts and clearly what they value and, and you always hear this about Brian Hughes is that he's, he's so hard working he knows the form book inside out he gives really good feedback after uh, rides owners really appreciate that um, you know, his work ethic is just second to none and uh, I think you know, he's, he's also a very good jockey he's strong on a finish, horses jump for him um, he's, he's cock of the north for, for a good reason 
Uh, and for uh, the country's got a lot smaller, Ben, but for a northern base jockey to regularly be used by southern trainers, it, it remains, and it shouldn't remain, but it does remain still a leap. It does, um, you know, but he does he does sort of farm the north very successfully. Uh, from the little I've had to do with him, he's a consummate professional. Uh, his feedback was exceptional, the one ride he's had for me. And even when he came over to America to ride my brother-in-law's horse when I was over there, he was even professional about that. That's Brian Hughes, who's reached 1,000 winners, and I'm sure will uh, reach 2,000 before too long. Theodore Ladd, well, he, he garnered a lot of headlines for the wrong reasons. He's a young rider. He got two whip bands on the same day. I think it totaled 19 days in the end. Uh, Tom, it's really one for you. Yeah, I think um, as as he would admit himself, was a bit of a moment of madness. Um, and he got a lot of criticism for it, uh, including from uh, Luke Morris. Um, and, and understandably so. It's this win-at-all-costs mentality that some riders sometimes resort to regarding the whip is clearly not good. It's not fair to other riders. It's not good for the sport. And it's not good for them either. They're picking up big bands, but they maybe feel that they, they have to do it mm. sometimes because if otherwise trainers or owners are going to going to question their commitment. So I, I think the whip rules as they stand in terms of punishment, you know, they're clearly unsatisfactory. There's, it's difficult to work out exactly what we should do. Well, so Luke Boris's idea was that you, you hit the hardest defences harder yeah. and then you'll yeah. broadly sort the problem. And, and perhaps that's an answer. Um, you know, people have also suggested disqualification. Uh, there's an idea that, you know, you could look at giving uh, jockeys bans for the for the festivals because that would deter them greater than, than just right. losing a few days in midweek or something. Dave? I, well, first of all, as someone who's about as pro-whip as it's possible to be in horse racing, uh, I, I do not condone poor use of the whip. I, and I think that... Uh, that th that should be punished. It, it, if th I don't really like the phrase "win at all costs," because uh, but where it applies, I think that it's right to uh, to hand out heavy punishments. Uh, all too often, we're looking at the terms of. The, the, the number of times the horse is hit yeah. with the compressed foam rather than, uh, and, and it detracts from other areas such as above shoulder height, wrong place, time to respond, etc. Uh, I've always found Luke Morris a good guy to deal with and he's obviously a very effective jockey. I think if he had his time again, would he choose to criticise uh, a, a young apprentice? I hope not. Now, I know you like to talk about the whip, but I know you wanted to talk about Carol Vorderman. Why? Well, I just think that, you know, we, we have a... Uh, racing is, is famously insecure in its own skin, uh, that we tend to think that nobody likes us, and, uh, you know, I hope that we'll have the uh, chance to touch on the whip before the end of the programme and, and its relationship with the, the general public. But what, why this is a, a welcome story... Carol Vorderman obviously having a first winner uh, as an owner this week. And, and I think that horse racing still has uh, that resonance uh, with celebrity. Uh, ben trains for Harry Redknapp, obviously, who's, a, uh, who's an enthusiastic owner. And I just think that we're, uh, we're all too often uh, insecure and keen to beat ourselves up. We have this idea that no one likes us, and yet racing does have an enduring appeal. 
Yes, it does. And, and there are many you know, high-profile people who have also... And you've got a feature today in the Racing Post about Dame Judi Dench and her passion for racing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great read. I, 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 I was just reading it before we came in. It's absolutely fantastic. And, yeah, racing does have this sort of universal appeal. And it, it, you get people from all backgrounds uh, getting involved in it. And, you know, I think it's, it's something... I don't think racing is too insecure, though, uh, Dave. I mean, it, maybe sometimes we we question ourselves a bit, but I, I I don't really feel this is a sport which has any certainly no reason to be insecure. I certainly agree with you on that. It's it's got a huge appeal, and lots of people get involved. Hopefully, we can encourage more people to get into into ownership, and hopefully, people like uh, Harry Redknapp and Dame Judi Dench getting involved does give that message. Mm. And if there was one trainer, Ben, who was always going to be the first to, to get Carol Vorderman into, into proper ownership, I know she's had bits and pieces of horses before, but a, a, a full leg of a horse it is going to be... Kim? Kim Bailey, yeah. He's, um... Nat he's, landed. Yeah, he's a good bloke. Leave it at that. <laughs> you could describe him as outstanding, which is exactly how the... Uh, how Ofsted described the work of the British Racing School this week, which is a huge, huge tick... How many of your staff would come from the British Racing School? Uh, more and more. Um, you sort of, when, you, when, when your yard starts out, you sort of need um, more experienced uh, workforce because you've only got, you need them to take the pressure off of you. And as the yard grows, you can then integrate people coming out of racing school and whatever have you. So you can um, continue the educational program, exactly. essentially. You need people there to, 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 to bring them forward. If, if, if you started with five horses and had two people straight out of racing school, it probably wouldn't work. But they are uh, superbly well prepped at the racing school. They know what they're coming into. They have a general love of the horse, which is paramount for anybody working in racing. Um, they know how to do things properly and they are enthusiastic and they want to learn and I can't tell you the, how much I enjoy seeing them progress through their careers and I've got, uh, I don't know, six or eight probably now um, and they are fabulous and you're only, it's, only, it's your fault, I believe, as a trainer if those people that come to you from racing school don't end up enjoying it because they're either being asked too much, they obviously don't enjoy the job because that they're working too much or you're not paying them enough. It's your, it's your job to, to nurture them and bring them on and make it something because there, there is ways for people to develop and, 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 and climb the ladder. That's another thing people have touched on. There's no, there's no sort of future for them. That's complete rubbish. Um, you can always give somebody um, some more responsibility and if you, if you treat them on a level and, and they think they re you respect them, then they're going to enjoy their job. I'm suddenly feeling a much more rosy glow of positivity about this sport now oh. after the last <clears throat> half an hour or so, which I, I think sometimes is a good thing. Uh, Mike Bite, not much positive about his season so far, David Yates. And he now goes potentially straight to the Gold Cup following another re-quarterisation of his palate. Yeah, I'm sure that's a bit of a headache for his connections, the fact that he goes there on two, well, fifth of five and last of seven finishers in the Betfair Chase and the, the King George. Um, we've all enjoyed the maturing of this son of Scorpion, haven't we, over the last couple of years? A, a, a bit of a nutcase, it looked like, in his early days, and then became a horse who won a King George and then obviously second in the Gold Cup and a non-staying uh, second in the Gold Cup. But 
this season hasn't gone so well. I, I'm sure that Nicky Henderson would like to give this horse at least cast his nets in calmer waters before going uh, to the Cheltenham Festival rather than going on the back of uh, the re-quarterisation. New Year's Day, uh, he said he was talking to thousands of people about thousands of things about the way to bring this horse back to his former glories. Yeah. We'll see if a wind operation works. And a part of the debate we've had on this programme several times is, do they work? And do they, do they work ups. regularly enough? Uh, Yes, is the answer, otherwise we wouldn't bother doing them. Do they work every time? No. Uh, it's obviously worked on this horse before, so there's every chance it'll work again. Uh, he's a huge talent. Uh, he's a quirky character, so quite often when things aren't quite falling into place, they're more affected than the sort of hard-nosed, that, That's solid, a good point. So could it, it might just take a tiny issue with his wind that you might not hear, just to throw just him off Just to throw him beam. off track, and, and that can be the difference between exceptional and way below par. But one thing's for sure, and that's that he's with Nicky, and we've seen what Nicky does with bringing horses back, so there's every chance that he'll come back and you've seen, as good as he's been before. You've seen it firsthand from your exactly. time there as, as one of his assistants. You and Dave have talked quite extensively about the Paul and Claire Rooney issue with Chelan, but I wanted to give Tom his, his say on it, because it's a, a story, clearly, that is, is made for you, mm. really. You've got... All yeah. the ingredients there, powerful owners, biggest race course, bit of conflict, some uncertainty, some proper journalistic work to be doing. Where are we going with it? Yeah, and a, a fantastic job by uh, Pete Scargill, who, who broke the story. Um, listen, as it's been said, the, for the Roonies, who are big investors in the sport, big owners, it's obviously uh, their choice if they have runners at any race course. However, there's a broader issue here, which is, you know, Cheltenham, Cheltenham's welfare record, and, and I suppose that the sports welfare record as a whole. You know, I think the, the, the key context here is the, the review, the Cheltenham Fatalities mm. Review that the BHA recently put out um, off the back of this year's festival and also some political pressure uh, arising from it, which um, was, has been referenced at the Westminster debate, which took place last year. Now, this, uh, the, the Cheltenham Review was a really thorough piece of work um, I think there's 17 recommendations there designed to reduce the fatality rate at, uh, at Cheltenham and to make it a safer race course for horses and animals. Um, I read that report and I thought it was a very impressive piece of work. I think, although there was some criticism, I think broadly it's been really well received and I think that's a really encouraging sign. And those initiatives are going to be put into place over the coming months. And I would be surprised and disappointed if they didn't make a material mm. effect on the fatality rate at Cheltenham. And that's to everyone's benefit, to the sport's benefit, to owner's benefit, and um, it's to Cheltenham's benefit. And, and hopefully, as a consequence, um, the Roonies will um, reflect on this decision and decide that they're happy to have runners at Cheltenham again. But obviously it is their choice and... and Every owner has the, uh, the, the responsibility to mm. make that decision for their horses. And that is where we end this week's Talking Points. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai.